Gotta stash, gotta stash, gotta stash away. Stash what? Stash away. I'm doing the stash away challenge to begin investing. Stash away for retirement, for my kids' education. Sounds like I need to stash away for my first home. You can stash away for any life goal. Just visit stashaway.my or download the Stash Away app to invest part of your salary or direct debit for long-term investment. That's the Stash Away challenge. Stash Away is licensed by the Securities Commission Malaysia. This is a download from BFM 89.9. The business station partnership uh, that may be uh, quite contrarian uh, to the kind of tensions that are going <laughs> right. on uh, between US and China. Office Depot is partnering with Alibaba's B2B unit to focus on the needs of the SMEs. Um, and what they will do is uh, they will steer business customers. Uh, this Office Depot will steer business customers towards Alibaba uh, and uh, make use of Alibaba's fulfillment network. Uh, actually, I Sorry, think, uh, it's the other way around. That's right. uh, Alibaba using, uh, riding on the back of Office Depot's uh, fulfillment network. Yeah, it looks like a good symbiotic relationship between them. Quite strategic. Alibaba being a B2B, a known B2B platform in China, quite big, quite, you know, with a very variety number of, uh, you know, different items that they, they sell and Office Depot being just office equipment. So it's, at the end of the day, tapping into the American, American market, um, Office Depot has an established fulfillment network. And that's always, right now, I think, with the e-commerce uh, sector, it's making, you know, the items arrive on time. And that's, I think, is the challenge. So, um, yeah, that's right. interesting uh, development here. And, and in fact, I... I um Alibaba can be said to be the Amazon of China, right? And they've been trying to get into the United States for a pretty long time. So this might be a, an inroad for them uh, because Office Depot can deliver 99% of the US business the very next day. And this is Alibaba's answer to Amazon. Uh, they, they're going to fight it out, uh, duke it out with Amazon. And, uh, you know, 1,400 stores across the US with 10 million uh, customers, that would give them a pretty good um, ground to stand on. Lyft, we all know that uh, they've filed IPO papers uh, to be the first to list among uh, the, their rival Uber. So Lyft is also like a um, ride-sharing platform uh, together like Uber and... Um, For us, is Grab. Grab as well. Uh, yeah. But this purely operates in the United States. And one of the controversies about uh, the listing of these ride-sharing companies is that uh, they're making losses, making losses, right? Huge amounts of losses while uh, the Lyft is generating revenue of uh, circa 15 billion US dollars. Uh, it's not making a lot of money. And so valuations have been thrown up uh, uh, for Lyft of around 15 to 20 billion uh, US dollars. Yeah, so last year, they made about 2.2 billion US dollars and that's double what they did what they made before that's revenues that's revenues yeah, not, yeah. not so, profits yeah. yes so that's revenue uh, but at the same time so at the end of it company lost nearly a billion dollar uh, from their operation in 2018 so again as you mentioned that uh, you know Lyft is still a non-profit it's, it's still not making any profit uh, from its business and uh, going for the IPO it's uh, it, it's interesting for the you know for, for devaluation I mean in terms of yeah I think uh, 2.2 billion in terms of sales is pretty good for a company that started life as a college carpooling service uh, it was called a Zimride back in 2007 yeah and th- I think it became Lyft just three years after Uber came uh, came about I think around 2007 2008 um, so what's what's interesting about Lyft is that you know U.S. 
Uber, Lyft, they are sort of the trendsetter for the right-hailing. Uh, whatever you know, whatever they have done now, it's reflecting in this country and whatever development that's happening there. Perhaps could uh, you know we're looking at the same trend happening here in Malaysia. Grab is still. Um, you know, they're, they're still not listed as well. Yeah, I think there are some also risks that investors of uh, this IPO should consider, which is that uh, uh, there are potentially regulatory hold, holdups because uh, the legislation could require Lyft to classify drivers as employees, uh, and that would come with its own set of co- uh, costs because Lyft drivers are currently independent contractors. And that's similar to what we uh, what we have here. And politicians there in the US have criticised the right healing for. Uh, uh, undercompensating their drivers and also, uh, surprisingly, creating uh, traffic and congestion, which is uh, opposite to what the intent. I mean, the inte- you know, it's opposite to what the businesses intend to do, which is uh, trying to reduce it in the first place. The other thing that might come under scrutiny is the shareholding structure. <clears throat> this is a two-level shareholding structure where uh, the Lyft founders were uh, prepared to take near majority of the voting control uh, while only owning less than 10% of the company. So that's um, not very democratic, right? And this is very normal with all tech companies So to, to ensure that the founders or the sponsors of the company don't get embroiled in uh, the day-to-day movement of stock markets and all, all the chatter that comes out of the stock market, they, they, allowing them to focus on the long-term vision of the company. And uh, we have uh, actually uh, spoken to Arun, uh, actually, this is a, a Bloomberg uh, production, um, and uh, Arun Sundarajan, a professor at New York University's school, Stern School of Business, spoke about uh, the diversification of Lyft and Uber's businesses. Lyft is very much US centric, US and Canada, and they're also very much transporting people centric. Um, Uber has a much more diversified business with Uber Eats, with their trucking business. Um, and they're much more globally diversified. And so I think there's a lot more information that can be gleaned from Lyft's revenue numbers about the health of the business. With Uber, it's often hard to separate what's driving profits. He also explains why it's important that Lyft does everything it can to include drivers in its IPO and post-IPO ownership. If you've taken an Uber or a Lyft, you've noticed that most drivers drive for multiple platforms. Um, I think a big part of what's going to drive success in the future is being able to convince drivers to spend more hours on your platform. So Lyft wants drivers to drive exclusively or predominantly on their platform. Uber wants the same. You know, if I have stock in Lyft and I don't have stock in Uber, I'm much more likely to put my hours into Lyft. And so this way of aligning, like, you know, provider incentives with platforms, that's one reason. Another reason is that it has the company being perceived as sharing the wealth. Um, A third important reason could be it simply makes good business sense in terms of costs. Um, If the drivers have stock options, then they're probably going to be willing to accept a lower per hour pay rate. Professor Arun also told Bloomberg about his thoughts on Lyft's founders considering to take near-majority control of the company. It's a tough question because, um, you know, if you look at a company like Amazon, um, tightly controlled by the founder who has spent 20 years losing money to build a position of dominance, 
Um, so that kind of founder-led control can, in fact, lead to long-run success. Because I firmly believe that both Uber and Lyft should not be choose chasing short-term profits. What they should be doing instead is changing behaviors and going after market share of the broader transportation market. I mean, you add up how much Uber and Lyft are earning in the United States today, it's probably just 1% of what people are spending on transportation. And so really, it's all about top-line growth, changing behaviors. And for that, to be able to lose money, to change behaviors, and gain market share, the founder control may actually be central to the eventual success of the business. He also spoke about the potential for Uber or Lyft to be companies with more than $100 billion or more in valuations. I think there are going to be multi, multiple companies in this space that have valuations approaching not just $100 billion, but close to a $1 trillion. And the reason I believe this is that globally, the transportation market is a multi-trillion dollar market. It's more than 10 times bigger than the global advertising market, which is supporting Facebook and Google's multi-hundred billion dollar valuation. So, you know, companies that can capture a good single-digit percentage or even a double-digit percentage of the global transportation markets, I can easily see them being trillion dollar companies or at least hundreds of billions of dollars. So at 20 to 25 billion, I think Lyft is a steal. And that was Arun Sundarajan, a professor at New York University's Stern School of Business, discussing Lyft, uh, Lyft's plans for IPO. Very interesting discussion, actually, uh, when he said that drivers are able to latch on the two platforms, either Lyft or Uber. And I think this is something that should be looked into in Malaysia, because I know that uh, previously when Uber was around, uh, uh either of those companies would ban uh, the drivers from joining the other platform, right? And that's anti-competitive. Maybe the uh, if, if another player comes back into Malaysia, the uh, Malaysian Competition Commission should look into those kind of activities. Yeah, another point that I, I thought was interesting is that the contribution uh, that is being spent in this right healing is just contributing about 1% of the you know, entire spending of the US, you know, US population and there's still plenty of room to grow as, you know, as behaviour changes and people start to rely on right healing rather than uh, you know trying you know rather than owning uh, owning a car so yeah uh, the other the other interesting thing also was the fact that he said that he supports uh, this idea of uh, controlling the voting rights of the company majority of the voting rights of the company by just controlling a small shareholding uh, because that this is going to be good for the long term vision of the business um, I think that's an interesting view a very controversial but interesting view and also the fact that uh, you know companies like Lyft and Uber could potentially become uh, trillion dollar companies um, so perhaps uh, you know uh, break that piggy bank to invest in some of the IPO from Lyft okay we're gonna come back and talk about uh, MCMC stay tuned BFM 89.9 thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes BFM 89.9 the business station